Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great pleasure to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week Liz Remerswald-Hughes, who is a member of the Coordinating Committee of World Beyond War, which I am the director of. She is the country coordinator for World Beyond War in New Zealand, or Aotearoa, I'm probably saying that wrong, uh, where she works with a number of peace organizations, including serving as the co-vice president of the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, WILPF, in New Zealand. In 2017, she was awarded the Sonia Davies Peace Award, which enabled her to study peace literacy in the uh, with the Nuclear Age Peace Foundation in Santa Barbara, California, to attend the Wilp Triennial Congress in Chicago and a workshop on peace and conscience in Ann Arbor. Learn more at worldbeyondwar.org slash New Zealand. Liz Remerswell-Hughes, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. And your pronunciation is pretty good. We'd probably say Aotearoa, New Zealand, but you're pretty good. And just one little clarification. Um, I'm no longer um, co-vice president of, of Wilf. Um, I've served for a couple of years, but now I mainly focus uh, on the work with World Beyond War and other organizations. So before we get to what World Beyond War is doing in New Zealand, how did you come to be involved with with peace activism in the first place? Well, I actually come from an environmental background and a political background. And um, I, I was an environmental campaigner involved in some big campaigns, just just from a grassroots perspective, you know, from from, from a, an ordinary person's perspective. Um, we had a big campaign in 2004 where we took our local council to court and also an American billionaire, Julian Robinson, um, because the council gave him permission to build a golf course lodge on a protected area that was supposed to have no building on it. So we took them to court. This is a community group and, and, and a couple of appellants, and we actually won that case through our Resource Management Act. And um, so... You know, success is a wonderful thing, and um, after that, I got involved in politics on our local regional council, which is an environmental protection organisation, and I served for uh, years on that, um, basically as a sort of a single environmentalist. It was fairly conservative in those days, and so um, I really, um, after that, I I came into peace politics through Wilf. I attended the Centennial Conference in The Hague um, of Wilf in 2015, and I really see that peace and environmentalism is strongly linked through resourcing areas because if we don't waste a whole lot of money on making war, then we can put it towards the things we need, climate change action, sustainability, environmental education, etc., as well as health and education and all the goodies that we really need in our, in our world. Is, is, is that trade-off any better understood by most people in New Zealand than it is in the United States, where I would say eh, practically nobody has a clue? Well, I think probably it is because we've got a, more of a tradition of independence, like we have a, our nuclear-free legislation that we passed over 30 years ago. Um, we're really, obviously a really small little country, and we do have, uh, you know, a colonial um, history and background. 
um, and we have supported, you know, the big wars. Um, but we're also probably a little bit more. Uh, there's less militarisation than there is in the states, for sure. And um, when I just talk to ordinary people, um, really, there's not a huge, there's not a huge desire or thirst for for war making and being involved in war. So there's more interest in security and so on. But um, I think as people are becoming aware of what's going on in other countries. And, 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 you know, so, for example, in Afghanistan and so on, and Iraq, there's a lot of discomfort around there. But having said that, it's a huge mission to try and turn this big ship around because we're part of a global movement. You know, we're part of the Five Eyes Network, which is US, Canada, Australia, uh, Britain, and ourselves, um, which is, you know, we're very much... The powers that be are very good at working together, and the military is still a very powerful force. We're at the moment we're doing, as you know, Liz, some some work against NATO's militarism and finding that very few people know much about NATO and what they do know isn't true. Uh, I, I'm guessing many people in the United States and in other countries that are members of the Five Eyes Network uh, haven't even heard of it. Uh, could you could you enlighten people a little bit? Oh, the Five Eyes Network? Yeah. Well, it's basically about surveillance and global surveillance. And um, so there's these sort of, um, you know, satellite stations poised around around the world. We've got um, a couple in New Zealand, uh, one down in the South Island, top of the South Island called Waihopai, which was famously broken into by um, three men, um, nearly 10 years ago, and they managed to pop one of the the covers, the balloon-like covers, um, and they actually got off um, being convicted for that, which was which was really good. Um, and there's a whole, there's a huge base in Australia, in Alice Springs, at Pine Gap. But they're basically, um, and, and other areas of the world as well, but they're basically... We, they feed into the American, the U.S. system, the information gathering system. And, um, you know, it, it is found out from time to time exactly what they're doing. For example, I think they were spying on Angela Merkel's phone at one point and, and uh, the Brazilian president, etc. Um, there's this massive network. So it's our taxes that are paying for these things. Um, and uh, we've got no control over what they do. And um, people who do know about it and who do, who do care very deeply just feel that um, that they're feeding into this military machine, and that you know that children are at risk. Children, the information is being used to drone bomb children, etc. So that's why uh, you know there's this people who are prepared to take these actions to try and disarm them which is amazing. We are speaking with Liz Remerswal-Hughes, who is working as the country coordinator, uh, volunteer position, uh, doing great work uh, for World Beyond War in New Zealand. Uh, Liz, how did you 
go about starting a, a chapter uh, of a new organization, uh, World Beyond War, and how uh, how might somebody else somewhere else in the world do the same? Well, it's um, it's it's about uh, networks, really. Um, there's all lots of ways of doing it, and I really encourage people to be in, to be involved. Um, I give a few talks around the place, and you know, um, recently we organised a petition for uh, asking our government to stop spending uh, 2.3 billion dollars on four Poseidon warplanes that killed submarines. We presented that to Parliament last week, so that was a good. Uh, way of gathering people into the World Beyond War Network. Um, I've organised some meetings in um, in my hometown and also in conjunction with another local peace group at um, in one of the churches here. We've had um, a, a special kind of ceremony on uh, Hiroshima Day, the anniversary of the Hiroshima bomb. Um, and also I work with the Quaker Network. Quakers is one of the peace churches. Um, but lots, I mean, lots of the churches, uh, if they are informed about this stuff, they will be maybe happy to get involved. So it's a matter of starting where you are, really, with the people that you have, the networks you have, organising meetings, organising talks, um, getting help from World Beyond War. We've got a wonderful a uh, part-time team working at World Beyond War who are just amazing and so, so helpful. And there's a lot of information on the website as well. So, um, and, you know, we're here to help. Um, there's, we've got a, a um, coordinators group, a network chapter coordinators group that we uh, we talk from time to time. It's, it's wonderful. So uh, this is a... This is a big work. I just think this is going to go on for a long time, this work. I I sort of plan to be doing this probably for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I'm not young anymore. So, yeah, trying to turn this big ship around. Uh, you 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 started out with some events where you did some talks. I, I think you also did an event showing a a film about the environment and war, right? Yeah, there's a brilliant film called um, Scarred Lands and Wounded Lives, um, which we've shown a few times. We showed it um, every year. There's this Weapons Expo, uh, Dave, that, that probably you're familiar with, um, where, you know, the Lockheed Martins and so on and the military and the government all to get together and all the people selling stuff to help the military, etc., um, which, of course, they protest they're not selling guns, but that's been shown not to be true. Anyway, um, so we kind of, the last few years, we've organised in conjunction with some other peace groups, such as there's a couple of peace action groups in Auckland and Wellington, which are very, very active. And we worked with them last year. We put on a um, a forum with two prominent speakers in the peace field, and also uh, we showed the film um, that I mentioned, Scarred Lands and Wounded Lives. And what's brilliant about this film, it connects the war and the environment. And, and as you know, there's a very strong environmental movement globally now. And, uh, you know, with things such as Extinction Rebellion popping up and so on. 
But if we partner with that um, because of the, the simple reason that war is devastating on the environment, it uses some massive amounts of carbon, which not even counted how much carbon it uses. If we partner with these organisations, it's really, really, really good way of getting our message across. And uh, you know, we can support um, we can support the activities that those organisations are doing as well. Um, and this, this film is a brilliant film to show as a way of people getting involved. I I couldn't agree more. Uh, and people can of of course find uh, that film scarred uh, lands at the at the worldbeyondwar.org website. Um, Liz, what about the the petition that you just said you presented to to Parliament? Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit more about what that's about and what the what the next steps are there? Yep. So, um, we have a coalition government here with with three parties involved, um, and obviously it's pretty complicated. But so, so why we had a, a, um, a brilliant young Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, um, who campaigned on three particular issues. Um, to get into power, she needed two coalition partners, and one was a party called New Zealand First, which is sort of a much more... The Labour Party, Jacinda's party, is more sort of left-wing, Labour-orientated, but the New Zealand First Coalition partner is more right-wing and um, they um, nabbed the, the foreign um, policy, foreign ministry portfolio and they also nabbed the Ministry of Defence and and the Minister of Defence is actually an, ex, an ex-army person, Ron Mark and um, he, so he used to be in the army and I think he was also a mercenary who served under the Sultan of Oman as well. So for him to get into the military and, and that ministry and Minister of Defence is a quite a strong position. Um, so recently last year, um, the defence spending has been going up and up. And last year, they, without going through Parliament or any public discussion, they approved the purchase of these four military planes called Poseidon, um, which are designed to kill submarines. And um, $2.3 billion for four planes is a lot of money. But but they couch it under the terms of, oh, this is to patrol our waters, this is to protect our fishing areas, etc. And really, when you look into it, um, you don't need $2 billion worth of plane to do that. You know, we find that it's actually more about the technology and, and more about being part of a global fleet of planes that we maybe lend to other countries, um, you know, it's, it's part of this, you know, this big boys network of of militarisation, so that they're so that um, you know our planes might end up flying part of the US Army or or so on or whatever. So, um, but a lot of this, when this when was when this funding was approved, it kind of went under the radar. Um, and uh, I think you know sometimes our peace groups or whatever we're we drop the ball, we're not aware of things. You know, we're not quick enough off the mark to, to start saying, what the heck is going on here, guys? So we, this is what happened with this. It was all passed, the spending's approved, 
And so we are left with coming up the rear and trying to say, trying to raise public awareness and trying to ask our government to reconsider the spending and maybe um, to break, you know, the agreement that that um, has been made and to focus that money on the things that we really need. We've, we've you know, we've got a housing problem in in New Zealand and, and, and other things. We've got other priorities. So building public awareness and um, there is a lot of support for this change in tax. When uh, when members of the government are compelled to give an explanation, do they claim that these planes are needed for so-called defense, that New Zealand is going to be attacked by submarines, or do they claim that the planes are to take part in good humanitarian wars for the benefit of the world in, in distant uh, locations, or, or what? Well, I think it's a little bit like wolves in sheep's clothing, and... Um, they don't know. New Zealand actually has no enemies, and we're not under attack. Um, it's not. It's only sort of fear mongering that you know would um, make us feel that we really needed this kind of thing. I think it's. It's. Um, they say it's, it's. You know, as as a thing for our. Uh, you know, protecting our fisheries and our and our. We've got huge sort of. Um, a huge amount of sea under our under our nation that we need to maybe patrol or so. But but if you look into it, that's actually not the case. And we don't. We could actually go have hundred million dollar planes that could do that job, not two billion dollars worth of spending on these. So it's a matter of um, educating the public and holding the politicians to account and just. Really, kind of saying, actually, we don't believe you. We don't. We think you're probably misrepresenting the case somewhat. Um, our coalition government also has has a um, has a um, green party um, as part of the arrangement as well. And our green party um, spokesperson is very supportive of what of what. Um, of this as well. So we at least we have one party in power working with the government um, which is able to erase these issues but um, doesn't have a lot of power actually compared to the other party in New Zealand first. And the planes, where are they made? Where are the planes made? I don't really know. Um, definitely overseas. Well, possibly it- in the US. I don't know. I'll have to look that up, David. Sorry. No, that's okay. I, I recommend we find out because this is one of the the things we've found valuable about World Beyond War is we can go to that country where those planes are made and and go after the deal in in that location as well. Um, yep. What uh, what else are are you engaged in in terms of of education or or activism at this point? Well, this year there's really um, I'm focusing on on building the movement nationally. Um, I don't live in the capital city. I live about four and a half hours drive from our capital city in Wellington. Um, I live on a beautiful little coastal village on the North Island, just right by the sea. And um, I was running late this morning, Dave, because I was out swimming. It's so gorgeous in the summer. But we last week we held a peace picnic outside Parliament and um, where we presented our petition to the Green Party MP 
and um, we had about 50 people at the picnic, so we just, you know, took along our our, our, um, our sandwiches and our, our um, blankets, and, uh, you know, we, we're going to do this on a regular basis. And we, we partnered with um, various other organisations, including quite a bunch of young people um, who, are, who are getting politically involved as well. So, um, you know, I kind of wish I lived closer to Parliament because um, I'd probably go there once a week and, and do this if I did. Um, instead of, you know, a bit of a trip down there. But I reckon if we could go down there, you know, every month, every two months and every two months and um, just sit in and just talk, you know, try and talk to the politicians. We just had a national day, um, Waitangi Day, it's called. It's up in Waitangi, which is the north of New Zealand, where our treaty was signed in 1840. Living in New Zealand, we can actually get... I actually met the Prime Minister... Um, well, for the second time, really, she was. They, were, they had a barbecue where they were politicians were making sausages for breakfast after the dawn ceremony, and so I was able to to talk to her and and just to invite her to our peace picnic, and then um, she was actually in our. Um, I live in uh, near Napier, which is an Art Deco city. There was a new big earthquake in 1931, and so the city was rebuilt and. So we have a big festival once a year. She was there as well, and um, this time I got the, the local MP to introduce me to her, who I, who I know quite well. And so we actually talked about the planes, and she she sort of said, oh, you know, I really thought about the spending, and that, you know, we need them for the reasons that I outlined earlier. So, um, you know, we're really lucky in New Zealand that we can actually have these one-on-one personal conversations with our leaders. It's, 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 it's quite extraordinary. Um, so I don't know, just just anything. Where I've noticed that people are starting to talk about this more. I noticed a letter 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 to the editor in the in the capital, the you know the one of the main papers in New Zealand the other day talking about this, and and so it's raising public awareness. And um, it's funny once it starts, that's that's really how to get the politicians taking notice. Is by when it starts to become an issue because there hasn't really been an issue up until now, yeah. and uh, the military ha- are so strong because and they have massive resources that we don't have. We're just all a bunch of volunteers, you know, doing this in our spare time. Um, but they've got massive PR campaigns and and PR. You know, I don't know how many journalists they employ. They employ. Um, they are very good at going into schools and giving. You know flying their helicopters and so on and you know this whole myth of that that military is glamorous and exciting and you know how don't they look smart in the uniforms and and we can give you scholarships for your kids so that they can you know become engineers and so on and all this you know this is what we're competing with um you know i mean everybody needs jobs and so on and but but well i think what we're trying to turn it around and say well look okay well let's keep Maybe you know, maybe keep the the military, but using it for a, a force of good in terms of dealing with climate change events and disasters and so on, helping people rather than you know killing people. Well, as long as it ceases to be a military and they don't use guns or anything else of 
pretty much everything they have now to do that, I'd, I'd be in favor of it. Um, we, we have just a, a few minutes left. Liz Remerswell-Hughes, um, you, you have been able to, to travel to World Beyond War events in Canada and in the United States, I, I know, because I've seen you uh, there. Have, have those been been helpful in terms of your work back in New Zealand? It's very inspiring to meet people like yourself, David, and the other the other campaigners because it, sometimes it feel, feels pretty lonely. Um, and you know, working with people, it's, I just it's great to have the face of face to face experience. I've also been to Australia a couple of times and worked with the uh, with some of the Australian peace activists and so on and uh, building the global movement is very important it, 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 it helps me to learn what's going on it gives me ideas of what t- techniques to use like um, I went down to Washington to the Code Pink House in, in DC and you know had a week with those amazing women there um, and it happened to be the week of the uh, Kavanaugh hearing and um, so we were protesting outside the Supreme Court. We were bird dogging in, in the Senate offices. And that really just gave me a whole bunch of um, energy and enthusiasm to bring back home to think, well, OK, let's, let's try and, let, you know, let's us go to in, into Parliament and talk to the politicians. So, you know, it's very expensive. It's a long way. It's burning a lot of carbon, which I feel guilty about. But if I can take it take it home and bring it home and make it really worthwhile and inspire other people and get people on, on board, then it's really worthwhile. Well, we are looking at uh, at Ireland possibly for our next uh, big uh, annual <laughs> conference, uh, maybe maybe somewhere in, in New Zealand in a future year. That would be, it would be a great honour to host you in New Zealand, David. Let's work towards that for the year after, shall we? Uh, I, I'm in favor if uh, if we come up with a good plan and everybody else agrees. I, I can't decide by myself, but I, I think that would be that would be terrific. Um, do you think it we- is a long way away? But uh, you know, the good thing about having a conference is it, is it energizes people and brings people together. And as long as we you know, you know as long as lots of good things come out of it, then it is you know it's I kind of justify it on the grounds that. If we're making a good impact, it's just a tiny fraction compared to what the military is burning, you know, probably every day of the week. So, um, but at the same time, we can do a lot with our technologies through through Zoom conferencing, um, you know, just through all the other media that's available to us as well. For sure. Uh, we've got about one minute left. How can people learn more, stay in touch, uh, help out from afar? Well, I think looking for people of like minds and talking to them and saying, let's get together, you know, and, and uh, you know, the environmental movement. I mean, there's, I've, there's a lot to do with, uh, uh, I've been studying up about nonviolent direct action, and that's a really good way of, um, of making a stance. Um, there's a big continuum of actions that people can do, from whether it's letter writing or whether it's out on the front line. Uh, I think the best thing is just to talk about it, talk about it with, with 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 people of like mind and just making a start. Everything is good. 
Well, we have been speaking with uh, someone of like mind, Liz Remerswal Hughes, who is a member of World Beyond Wars Coordinating Committee and leading up World Beyond Wars efforts in New Zealand. Uh, Liz, thank you very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. Lovely to chat with you, and all the very best of luck. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.